I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Tuesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today we are discussing anxiety, but first today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I bought a paint by number and yesterday I spent some time just sitting on the front porch and painting with my phone inside, far away from me, and it was heaven. My thorn is that, y'all, I cannot keep a water bottle. I think I've talked about this before, but with every water bottle I buy for myself, there comes a moment where I'm just done. Like, all interest is gone, and I can't really predict it, and it happens for lots of reasons. Sometimes it's because it starts to smell bad, and and no matter what I do, I can't unsmell it. However, I bought these tablets that you can put in that fix that problem. Other times I just quit drinking water. Like it's just like one day I'm done. I stop and I'm not drinking enough water and I'm like, that's weird. And I um, switch containers and all of a sudden I'm hydrating again. I don't know what it is. It's like I stop until I figure out a way that I like to drink it now. Um, So currently that's out of mason jars. It's the only way that my brain's gonna prioritize water at the moment. Someone explain this to me. There's gotta be a study done. Like, I can't be the only one. My bud is literal buds. Last year and the year before, my husband and I tried really hard to see the flowers bloom in our yard as spring came, and it was the highlight of spring. Just each new plant that blooms is such a gift. So right now we have this like pink flowered bush in the front yard that's blooming and one on the side yard that's got these like tiny white flowers. It's everything. I cannot wait to watch every single plant in my yard come to life. Okay, let's talk anxiety. So kind of similar to our conversation around guilt and shame from last week, you can also, where they're like kind of used interchangeably, we see fear and anxiety treated in a similar way. The major difference is that fear is an intense biological response to actual immediate danger, while anxiety is having a fear response to something that could occur in the future. Um, Or it could be said it's a reaction to our emotions and not to our environment. It's important to note that there's a difference between anxiety that we experience in general. We all kind of have a little bit of anxiety versus an anxiety disorder, which is a diagnosable condition. So general common anxiety is related to a specific situation or problem. It lasts only as long as the situation or problem lasts. It's proportional to the situation or problem and is typically a realistic response to a realistic problem or situation. Whereas anxiety disorder, um, it may come up unexpectedly for seemingly no reason. Um, The anxiety response to a situation or problem may be much stronger than one would expect. It may experience a lot of unrealistic anxiety, such as fear of a situation that will likely never happen. Anxiety may last for a long time, even when the situation or problem has been resolved. In a disorder, anxiety may feel impossible to control or manage, and it could cause the person to avoid situations or things that they believe to trigger anxiety symptoms. 
Now, I am not qualified to tell you if you have an anxiety disorder, and there's literally no possible way to know based off of this podcast. So if you're wanting to support in figuring this out for yourself, I highly encourage you to talk with a mental health professional who can offer you the support that you so deserve. But for now, I want to talk about anxiety here because according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, nearly 7 million adults suffer from generalized anxiety disorder, making it the most common mental health disorder in the country. But here's the thing. This study was done before 2020. In the last two years, we've experienced mass amounts of global trauma from a pandemic, important social upheavals, political unrest, wildfires, and now a widely broadcasted war. This doesn't even go into the social implications of each of these things, which there are many. Now we know that 62% of Americans feel more anxious than they did at this time two years ago. A recent poll by the American Psychiatric Association found that there's nearly double the typical percentage over the past three years. So we should probably talk about it. Now I've organized this episode into three major parts that I'm hoping will make sense together, but if they don't, I'm hoping we can just kind of roll with that anyway. (laughs) So part one, we're going to talk about the anxiety triad and the Enneagram and how it shows up for each of those types. Then we'll talk about anxiety for each type and its relationship to the role that they play in society and their worldview. And finally, how to respond to the anxiety of others. On Thursday, we're going to hold an entire episode just on managing our own anxiety. So don't you worry. Okay, let's get into part one. So in the Enneagram, we call types five, six, and seven the anxiety types or the fear types. Each of these have a specific relationship to fear. Type five seek to understand it through logic. They also withdraw. Sixes seek support and stability to prevent negative outcomes. And sevens run from their fear through distractions and positive thinking. So through embracing and allowing their fear to exist, each of these types is able to live a more peaceful life. Fives can let others support them and they can calm their mind without having to do a ton of research. Sixes can trust their intuition and open up to new possibilities. And sevens can make less long-term destructive choices through overconsumption by simply allowing themselves to feel their feelings. Now, these types have a particular relationship with anxiety and fear. It's a major element of their type structure. However, it doesn't belong only to these three types, right? Every type has the potential for anxiety. It simply manifests through the worldview of the type. So for ones, they may experience anxiety about not being good or are they good enough? Are they doing enough? Twos may experience anxiety about being lovable. Three is about being worthy. Four is about being good enough and having everything they need to be who they want to be in the world. Eight's about their safety and the safety of others. And nine's about the loss of connection. Of course, anxiety is not limited to these worldviews. It could be about anything, but consider how every type can experience anxiety just through the lens of their type. So we've established that anxiety is the most common mental health disorder and that with current events, that is only growing. We've discussed specifically the anxiety types of the Enneagram, but also how our worldview can paint the things our anxiety focuses on. So if it's so common, 
we're likely to interact with people every day who are experiencing some form of anxiety. So how do we engage with the anxiety of others in a healthy way, both for ourselves and for them? Now, when having the conversation of how do I respond to the emotions of others, I always think it's important to make a distinction between the common public and those I want to maintain a loving relationship to. 50 years ago, y'all, we were mostly only in contact with a few people that we didn't care about. Maybe a boss or a coworker, a neighbor or two, but everyone else we engaged with outside of strangers on the street were those we chose to spend time with. Now that social media has erupted into the world, we are finding ourselves face-to-face with millions of people on a daily basis. Even our interactions with store cashiers have the potential to go viral and be part of the global conversation. So we have to figure out for ourselves what our boundaries are when it comes to being responsible for the emotions of the entire world. Turns out, everything you think you know about probiotics may be wrong. I knew probiotic tortilla chips sounded way too good to be true, Now the good news, Seeds Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. Not all probiotics are created equal. What is the Daily Symbiotic, you ask? Thank you for asking. It's a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic, a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. Proprietary engineered two-in-one capsule that protects probiotics through digestion to ensure delivery to the colon. So if you've taken a probiotic before and didn't feel a difference, it's likely because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. So seed is designed differently and that's why it works. Now, first of all, we've talked about seed before. You know that I love it. The first reason that I loved it is because it is beautiful. It's stunning. The reason I ordered it the first time is because I knew that as someone who has gut health issues, that a lot of times I would just, vitamins would just run through my system. They wouldn't actually get to my intestines so they wouldn't actually do their job, I would just move through them. So in order for any of the vitamins that I take to work, um, it seems like, and I, I, it, what I've from through my own research, it seemed like my, I needed to get my gut in check first. So knowing that they had this situation where it would go to my GI tract, it would go, it would then go into my system from there, made me trust that it would work. Then I fell in love with the aesthetic. It's stunning. It's beautiful. So beautiful that my husband immediately ordered his and he didn't even know if he needed probiotics. I love him. Now, here's where it gets amazing is the more that I have taken seed daily, the more that I have felt better. You guys, it has absolutely revolutionized my relationship to my gut health. Not joking. It is the real deal. And I can tell you from personal experience, if you're struggling with GI issues or if you're struggling with gut health, you need to try seed because it's the only thing that's ever worked for me. So what does the daily symbiotic even do for you? Supports benefits in and beyond the gut. So yes, seed will support ease of bloating, healthy regularity, ease of evacuation, if you know what I mean, but it will also support your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. Gut immune function is not boosting the immune system. It is about supporting the crosstalk between your intestinal cells and your immune cells. So many people see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours, which can include bowel movement regularity and ease of bloating. 
Y'all, start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash egram and use the code egram to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash egram and use the code egram. Thank you, Seed, for changing my life and supporting the podcast. I cannot obviously tell you what to do for yourself. What I can do as a friend is tell you what I've chosen to do for myself. So I have a strong sense of how I want to treat people, and that extends to the world. I want to leave people generally better than I found them through kindness, acceptance, non-judgment, and emotional safety. That means I'm not going to be quick to criticize, judge, or condemn. Now, am I perfect at this? Of course not, especially when I feel like there's a severe injustice being done. In fact, I've been the opposite of that many, many times, publicly and privately. However, the goal for me is to always slow down, give the benefit of the doubt, and in the face of injustice, to stand up unequivocally for myself and others without condemnation, but with love and strength. Meaning, I can put my body physically between that and the body of two people being physically aggressive, but I'm not going to throw a punch. I will question and condemn behavior without shaming the person as an individual. If my goal is to leave people better than I found them, then my goal is to help them heal, not to ostracize them from support, which is ultimately pushing them further into the survival behavior that I would be condemning. Now, I'm at risk of going on a tangent here, but what I'm trying to say is I know how I treat others who are not the ones I love the most. When it comes to triggering anxiety of the masses, the truth is that I cannot prevent that. I will never be able to prevent that. So I will operate with the intention and behavior of someone who seeks to do no harm with the understanding that that isn't possible. I can't memorize the triggers of millions of people with differing needs and circumstances. But that does take us to category two. So for those that I have committed to loving, I will hold that space with you. I will attempt to anticipate your triggers, however imperfectly, and I will own and apologize for stepping over those triggers at times. So I'm going to validate your feelings 100% of the time, even if they're scary for me. I'm going to apologize and validate because I think it's the least that I can do as someone who seeks to be in a loving relationship to someone else. I also have to work hard, y'all, so, so hard to not give unsolicited advice. As a seven, naturally, the negative emotions of others kind of freak me out and I want to fix it. And so I often unconsciously go into teaching mode and I have to work very hard to keep this in check. It's a level of focus and attention that I only have for the few people that I've chosen to live life with because it takes so much work. But these are my personal boundaries. Now, as someone with anxiety, I also have things that I know that I don't want or need. I don't need someone to tell me it's not that big of a deal or there's nothing to worry about. In fact, this will make the anxiety worse for me because I will try to convince myself that it's real. Two, I don't need someone to try to fix it. I don't need you to ignore it and try to make a joke or distract me from it. And I don't need people to guess how to make me feel better, only kind of overwhelming my senses more. 
Instead, I just need someone to ask how they can be supportive in that moment. And nine times out of 10, it's simply to let me verbally express everything I'm thinking and feeling, worrying about until I cry, and then to just let pet my head until I calm down. And other times, I just wanna be alone. Honestly, every day is different and every person is different. That's why there isn't really one size fits all advice for how to respond and why I think the distinction between levels of commitment is so important. We can't do all of that emotional labor for every person on the internet, but we are taught that we should. Instead, I can commit to doing that for the people I've committed my life to loving. Now, with all of this personal experience in mind, I do want to share the generally accepted healthy ways to respond to anxiety of others from the experts, something concrete that you can take away with you. So through my research in this episode, I read expert after expert saying this kind of the same three things to do and three things not to do to do. So we're going to take this away, work with it as kind of our starting place. Three things to do that I've seen countless experts share. First, validate their feelings. Even if you think it's silly, um, validate them. Don't try and convince them that it's not real or they shouldn't be worried about it. Two, ask what they need. Believe them when they tell you. I cannot tell you how many people have asked me what I need and then I would say alone time and they would not want to give that to me. Or I would say, I just need you to let me talk it out and they would not believe that that's true. Three, reassure them that they are not alone and that it is not too much for you. Give them the sense of, I can handle this I'm not going to leave you. I trust, you know, you, you can trust me to hold this space with you. Now, the three things not to do. First, don't tell them to stop worrying. That's not going to help. Two, don't compare your experience of worry to their anxiety. You don't have to relate. You can just be there for them. And three, don't offer solutions. You guys, you don't know how many times I've talked about anxiety and people have been like, have you tried this kind of mushroom? Have you tried CBD, ashwagandha, meditation? Yes, all of it. It doesn't make generalized anxiety disorder go away. It can help sometimes, right? But I guarantee you that is not what they need at that time. Maybe that's something you offer them when they're not in the middle of an anxiety attack, but in that moment, they just need your love and support. Okay, friends. So we've talked about how do we respond to others, but on Thursday, make sure to come back because we're going to talk about how do we self-nourish through our own anxiety. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.